The Merit Systems Protection Board recently confirmed what most federal employees already knew. Everybody gets a step pay increase, whether they deserve it or not. Supervisors say too many people aren't suited to their jobs or even unwilling to do them. My next guest says this situation is as old as the hills, as are the possible solutions. Bob Tobias is a professor in the Key Executive Leadership Program at American University, and he joins me now. And Bob, this comes up from time to time. It seems like Lake Wobegon, everybody gets their step increase and everything's fine, and yet the least happy about it are the employees who know who deserves the money and who doesn't. You accurately describe the problem, Tom. It is as old as the civil service. And what's interesting, though, about this survey is what supervisors themselves defined as the root cause of this problem. And the first is that employees are ill-suited for their job. So the solution to that problem is easy to define, and that is to create a hiring process that's fast, that adheres to the merit principles, that gives veterans a preference, and places qualified applicants into jobs that match their skills. Now, the hard part is designing that kind of a process that's agreeable to OPM, federal managers, unions, veterans, and members of Congress. And people have been working on this for 30 years and have yet to come up with an appropriate solution. And even if they do, um, whatever's designed would be hard to implement because it would require such changed behavior by so many people. Well, could it be that when people are hired, they are hired according to those criteria, merit systems, veterans preference, and qualified, but the job changes because you hear over and over again from people that observe these things that the jobs change while you're in them in place. And that could mean the job moves away from the person you originally hired. I think that's a problem as well, Tom, but I think fundamentally, many, many employees are not placed in jobs that are consistent with their qualifications. So designing that kind of a process would be hard and implementing it would be hard. And the second is that employees are unwilling to do their job. Now, I don't think it's hard to describe a solution for that problem (laughs) either. And that is remove people who do not do their job. Now, why this has become difficult is because when people don't do their job, it's described as a performance problem. That is, a performance improvement plan needs to be issued. But I suggest that's the wrong approach. Rather, it should be described as a conduct problem. So there's no requirement for a performance improvement plan. Rather, the only thing that you need is give someone a direction to do the job. When they don't do it, you initiate action. But that, too, would be hard to implement because it would require supervisors to be trained. It required supervisors to get support of their superiors and the support of the human resource community and the lawyers in agencies who handle these cases. So in both cases, the solution is easy. The design is difficult for those who are ill-suited for their job, easy for those who aren't doing their work but in both cases, hard to implement. So I think OPM has a very difficult problem in front of it. And the question is, are they up to the task? Are they up to the task of convening the people who have the interests that are necessary to create new approaches, facilitate those sessions, draft something that's new, and get it implemented? And I think the Biden administration OPM is up to the task. I think they have the talent. 
and the grit to make it happen. We're speaking with Robert Tobias. He's a professor in the Key Executive Leadership Program at American University. What changed at OPM so quickly? Well, I think what changed is a sense that OPM needs to be recreated in a way that it leads the human resource actions in the federal government. And I think there's a consensus around that. And a recent report by the National Academy of Public Administration confirmed that. So I think they see themselves in that role and want to perform that role in a way that they haven't seen that role in the recent past. On the other hand, hiring itself is the function of the individual agencies down to the bureau and work group level is where the hiring takes place and not even at the HR function or the human capital function at the department or agency level. So somehow whatever OPM learns and determines has to get translated over to a vast number of people that represent the hiring managers across the government. That is correct. You're exactly correct. But OPM, I think, can, through a better website, a better hiring website, a simpler process for evaluation, a broader scope of people who are included in pools available for consideration, can increase the speed of hiring and increase the way qualifications are evaluated. So I think OPM can have a role in helping agencies to do their work faster and better. And you mentioned earlier the removal of people who won't do their jobs, and I agree that's a behavioral issue, not a performance issue. But then in between, you do have people that might be totally willing and their hearts in it, but they perform at different levels. And so that's kind of the tougher thing to deal with in some ways, especially with respect to the annual raises and so on. What about the greater mobility of people that perhaps someone is better suited somewhere else? And I don't mean to get rid of them by shoving them somewhere and getting rid of them and they can't perform there either, but truly managing the workforce so that everybody is best matched talent and job requirements. I couldn't agree more, Tom. And there's a very old MSPB study that focuses on just that fact, that when performance improvement plans are seriously created and seriously managed, 80% end up either improving significantly or being reassigned to work that they can perform. So that's also a solution that's available if we're only focusing on performance. But as I said, what's interesting to me is what the supervisors themselves described as the root problem of this issue. And with respect to the speed of hiring, how could that improve the quality of who comes in and the matching of the jobs and the requirements and all that nirvana? Well, you know, it's how the job is described and do my qualifications fit that. So I think better description of what's available, better evaluation of my qualifications, and a commitment to create a match. Yeah, so instead of fooling around with this long process where sometimes the best people don't stick around because other organizations hire more quickly, and not to say the private sector is necessarily fast. It takes them weeks and sometimes months to hire someone, but for the government, it's months that seem to stretch into years. Well, there's no question that the process is too long and that uh, people who are committed to public service, and particularly federal service, are just like anybody else. If I want to work for the federal government, but I need a job and somebody else offers me a job in the interim, I'm likely to take what's offered as opposed to waiting on what might be offered. 
Robert Tobias is a professor in the Key Executive Leadership Program at American University. As always, <laughs> good insight. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be with you today. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, Since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, Great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader, all of these are backward-looking development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when They were changed. They were inspired. They learned something about leadership from another person. Perhaps it was uh, from themselves. And they brought that to the workplace. And they inspired others and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership. But what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is... Tested like never before. Um, Today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before, on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place. So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, 
it's it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. I've led this is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash bestmusic for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.